0: All right, well, I am really glad to, uh, that you could join us here uh, tonight for this special service here. Um, So how many of you have ever ever wished at some point in your life that you were a superhero? I'm not necessarily asking for a show of hands, but if you want to show, I mean, come on, superhero powers. I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't some of the appeal. Of a lot of these superhero movies that have been coming out over these last uh gosh many years now a lot of people will watch those movies and after the movies are done they'll be like oh man that's a pretty good movie you know those special effects were really good you know but i'm part of the group of people who when we watch those movies when the movie's over i'm just thinking someday someday this too will happen to me um, but deep down, we know that this is not going to happen, right? But there are times when we still wish that superheroes existed because there are moments and seasons when we really could have used one. right? Have you ever felt like you needed a hero? Have you ever felt like some circumstances or seasons of life were just so overwhelming that you wish someone could just kind of swoop in and save you. I know families in this very church right now who might wish for that tonight. Maybe you're dealing with health issues, diagnoses and bad news that just kind of keep coming down the pike. It can beat you down and wear you out, you know, getting bad news all the time. Maybe it's maybe it's financial, right? I know when finances get tight, it can be the worst kind of, of marathon right you keep getting mailers from people reminding you that you owe them money you just have to and then you have to spend more money to fight like certain unjust bills and penalties and you're just trying to get food on the table for everybody or maybe it's relational right you, you notice that you and a loved one are growing farther and farther apart and any attempts to reconcile or are, are rebuffed and you're just left feeling rejected there are all kinds of times when we might feel like we need a hero, someone to step in for us. For others of us, maybe we don't feel like we need a hero often enough. right? Maybe, maybe you don't feel like you need, you need a hero. Maybe, maybe you've had your needs provided for over the years. You've really never really known want or had to really worry about your bank account. Maybe you found it easy to make friends in your life or to keep a job. Maybe you've not had to deal with major loss or illness. You, know, you can be grateful for those things. They are good, they are gifts from God, and it is right to be thankful. They are gifts from God that we don't deserve. But some of us have them anyway. But sometimes in seasons of plenty, I can forget my reliance on God and my need for him to be my savior, my hero. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a pastor in the 1800s, once said this, you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. So maybe for you, you need to be reminded tonight of your need for a hero. This is the last topic of our series we've been going through over the month of December, looking at reasons to have hope at Christmas. And tonight, our last reason for hope that we'll talk about uh, is we can have hope because Jesus saves us. We've been looking at the different reasons why the coming of Jesus to earth, how that gives us hope. And our passage last week, this past Sunday, was the maybe for some of you a familiar passage, John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And our passage for today picks up right where that one left off, off the very next verse, John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So a quick uh, couple of thoughts about these verses. Uh, First, notice how the mission of Jesus is framed here. Jesus' reason for coming was to save. Uh, Sometimes people feel like God is after them. Right? Like sometimes people feel like God's just waiting up in heaven uh you know watching us to catch us you know he, he's a gotcha god right have you ever had to perform a task when somebody's watching over your shoulder that is the worst isn't it i, I was um I'm, I'm i was sitting at the table once kitchen table once uh drawing uh with my kids just sitting down drawing and coloring and stuff like that a few years back and i'm terrible at it um, but it's fun to do anyway. And one of them was like, hey, draw Harry Potter, Dad. I was like, I can do that. So I, start, so I started into it, and one of them comes around the side of the table and starts looking over my shoulder and breathing in my ear, <laughs> watching as I'm drawing. And I was just like, get away! I can't draw! I can't work in these conditions! Right? And they're just like, why'd you draw that line? Why'd you do that? What's that? You gonna have any eraser left when you're done? Like... These questions were not helping me. (laughs) But that's how we feel God works sometimes. Right? It's like God has asked us to do a certain thing or live a certain way. And he's just up there watching over our shoulder, breathing down our necks, just to catch us in a mistake. But here it says that Jesus came to the world not to condemn it. Meaning he didn't come to bring judgment. Now... Uh, Judgment happens at the end of all things, that is in Scripture, but the judgment is based simply on our acceptance or rejection of the work of Jesus that is freely offered to all people. It's not based on our performance, but on our acceptance of his performance. Jesus' reason for coming was in fact to save all people. And and it says in the, the previous verse, verse 16, that the reason he came to save all people was because he loves them. He loves us, so he came to save us. He is not in a cop car hiding behind a billboard with a speed gun waiting to catch us. He's taking the penalty of all of our mistakes and sin and bearing it himself out of love for those he created. Uh, Another note about this passage is just a note of clarification. Uh, As you read the Bible, you'll come across phrases like the one at the end of verse 18 here, to believe in the name of God or the name of Jesus. Back in the time period, to believe in the name of someone was to believe in the person themselves. Right? It was just a manner of speech uh, in this time period. So when we sing songs like um, Your Great Name or something about the name of Jesus, we're singing about Jesus himself and borrowing that figure of speech. There are oftentimes things that we have to uh, explain and get to know about certain words that we use. Uh, as we were singing, Caden reminded me, he's like, hey dad, that word Emmanuel, we don't use that word anytime, but around Christmas, maybe you should tell people what in the world that means. I'm like, dude, that's a really good idea. So yeah, it just means God with us. So when we talk about Emmanuel, we're talking about a God who is with us and close to us. So Jesus has come to save us and not condemn us but the impact of these words save and condemn are are more fully realized when we understand what we are saved from and what condemnation uh, really means understanding what this means is important because if we don't understand the stakes if we think that there isn't much to gain or lose by following or not following Jesus then we'll most likely choose not to follow him because the stakes, they, they just won't feel like they matter enough so What are we saved from? What are the stakes here? Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is a stern talking to from God. No, right? That's not, that's not. Mm. It's a new Ryan Stockton version. That's what I wish it said. (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is not a stern talking to from God. It's not a timeout. It's not a deduction of our allowances. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, some quick definitions here. Again, defining terms, right? Sins are the things that we do or don't do that go against the will and the character and the desires of God. Those are sins. But sin is the state of our heart that caused us to go against God in the first place. Our sin nature causes us to commit sins. We can try with willpower to stop sinning or live a more moral life, um, but there's nothing that we can do to change the sin nature of our hearts. So this passage tells us that the wages of sin, meaning the thing that we earn through our sin, is death. Death is the paycheck that we earn for our sins. Now, this paycheck of death may not sound like a very loving thing for God to do, right? After all, we claim that God is loving, right? So why would he condemn us to death for not following him? here's, Here's the thing. In scripture, we see that God himself is life. He's the source of life. He's the source of good. So when we choose God, we choose life. But if we choose not God, basically anything but God. If we choose not God, then we choose not life. Right? We turn from what is life, and therefore we choose not life. So death is not so much some putative measure enacted against us for hurting God's feelings by rejecting him. It's simply the natural consequence that we choose when we choose not life. And this is where we get to our reason for hope at Christmas. Over the last four weeks, we've talked about various reasons for hope because of Jesus coming to earth. And we find those reasons by asking the question and then answering the question, what is it that can sometimes cause us to lose hope? Right? And we've said sometimes we lose hope when we feel alone, but God is with us. And then sometimes we said sometimes we lose hope, and next we said sometimes we lose hope when we feel helpless, but God is our helper. Sometimes we lose hope because we feel worthless, but God serves us and gives us infinite value. Other times we lose hope when we feel like we don't have intimacy, but God knows us fully and loves us fully. But the thing that can cause us to lose hope the most when we stare at it in the face is death. Not all of us will feel alone. Not all of us will feel helpless. Not all of us will feel worthless or feel a lack of intimacy in our lives. Some of us may encounter some or all of those at various points in our lives. But if we're honest, we don't all experience all of the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. But we all face death. Some of us have experienced the loss of loved ones that have caused us to reckon with death. Others of us have stared death directly in the face ourselves. It awaits all of us and touches our lives in one way or another. It is common to all of humanity, and it can be the ultimate cause of a loss of hope. Death is the great inevitability that we all face and many of us fear. Whether it's literal physical death or spiritual and emotional death, it's final. We fear it, and whenever we face death, we can lose hope because it's such a powerful, Adversary. Those are the stakes when we're talking about being saved or being condemned. It's literally the difference between life and death. There are some uh, who doubt that these really are the stakes. You know, and people doubt the truth of Christianity. Maybe that's you here tonight. I- I'm not going to go into a full apologetic here, full defense of the faith. Um, I'll, just, I'll just mention Blaise Pascal. Um, said something to this effect. Now, I'm pra- paraphrasing here what he said. He said, leaving uh, the question of God aside, what is the test of a life well-lived? Is it not to be happy? To pursue that which makes us happy? And if I am happy living the Christian life, then I'm all the better for it. Right? I am personally fulfilled, and I serve others. Right? If we're following Jesus, then we are fulfilled, and we are called to serve others. If we are wrong, what consequence is it? If we die, we die like everyone else. If we're wrong, nothing awaits us, right? We'll enter into nothingness or we'll get reincarnated or whatever. But if we're right, then the stakes are huge. That's referred to as Pascal's wager. What are you willing to wager on Christianity's claims? Are you willing to wager your very life in eternity? Are you willing to accept the risk of eternal death? Boy, Ryan, this is a, real, this is a feel-good sermon here on Christmas Eve. This is bang-up job, Ryan. That's great. Now, I get it. Talking about death is a sure way to find yourself alone at a Christmas party. <laughs> okay. It's not a topic that people want to talk about, right? Especially at Christmas. Ryan, I came here tonight to forget about the bad stuff, right? I'm here to feel the warm fuzzies tonight. But Christmas is actually an opportunity for us to reckon with our humanity in such a way that we can have hope. John 3.16 says that Jesus came to our world. He became a human that was then subject to death because of God's great love for us. But our verses for today say that Jesus saves us. We are, in fact, not condemned. And how are we not condemned? Like, what does it take To be saved, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's belief. Belief in God. And please understand that belief isn't a feeling. It's a choice. Belief is a choice. Sometimes you won't feel like believing. It's a lot like love in that way. But it's belief that Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, and rose again to give us hope. Belief that God took the wages of sin that we earned, that paycheck of death, he took that and gave us a new paycheck instead, that of eternal life with him. It all happened because Jesus came to earth. The coming of Jesus was to save the earth, not to condemn it. That's why the angels who, who came to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth, that's why they could say that the, the news that they were bringing would bring, bring great joy to all people. <laughs> that's good news. Makes me laugh. And here's a humbling realization to come to when we think about this a little more deeply. Your pastor, me, needed to be saved just as much as the worst of humanity. Okay, we think about people like Stalin, Hitler, Abu Abubakar Shekau, right, one of the leaders of Boko Haram, Nigeria. These men had killed countless people, done the worst of the worst to fellow humans, and the root of my sin is the same as theirs. At the root is is a desire to be king of my own life. A pride that puts me first, my desires first, to be my own God and sees other people as there to serve me or as less important than me. Now, one could say, yeah, but Ryan, your sins never caused a genocide. Okay, yeah, true. (laughs) But ultimately, Jesus pointed to the heart. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most sermons, which we're going to be spending a lot of time in over this next year, which I'm really excited about, um, he talked about how the law says not to murder. But Jesus says to even hate somebody is wrong. He takes the issues of the law and he takes it to the heart and he says it's the heart that matters. There but for the grace of God go I. This is why one of the writers in the Bible, Paul, can claim that he is the worst of sinners. I am the worst of sinners. Our hearts are just as stained as anyone else we can think of. Now, the worldly consequences of our sins might be lesser than others, perhaps. But our imperfection before a perfect God is the same. We are all sinners. We are all fellow fallen image bearers of God all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I need a hero. We need a hero. Batman is not big enough. He can only save Gotham sometimes. Captain America, he's one of my favorites. Even he's not strong enough. Neither is Thor. Green Lantern. Especially not the Ryan Reynolds version. (laughs) Star-Lord. They can... They can only save physical lives. And as my wife has to continually continually remind me, they're they're not actually real. (laughs) I need someone who can save my soul. And that is why Jesus came. We all face death at some point. We can't stand up to it on our own. Willpower doesn't stop death. We aren't strong enough. Relying on our gifts, relying on our gifts or personalities, they might win us new friends, right? It might gain us intimacy. We might be able to help others and serve others, but none of our gifts, our personalities, or willpower allows us to defeat death, physical or spiritual. Jesus is the only one who has stared death in the face and taken all that it can give and come out on the other side. And when we believe, Hear me tonight. When we believe, we can come out of the other side of death more alive and free than we were on this side of it. We will enter into his presence where there is fullness of joy, it says in Psalm 16. And then in Revelation 21, it says that in God's presence with him in heaven, that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Think about that. No more death. We, we can't even conceive of something like that. No more mourning or, or crying or pain and fullness of joy. That is the culmination of our hope. And that is why Jesus came at Christmas. Well, when we celebrate Christmas, we don't know the actual day (laughs) that he came. Jesus is with us. He helps us. He serves us. He loves us. And he saves us. And for these reasons, we can have hope as we remember the coming of Jesus this Christmas. And we can carry that hope with us even beyond this season. We are a hopeful people because of Jesus.